Vice News Reports is a new podcast that comes out every Thursdays. Each week, host Ariel Duam Ross and a team of Vice reporters and journalists brings you to the news. Each week, host Ariel Duam Ross and a team of Vice reporters and journalists bring you to the news, taking you to the story as it unfolds. From California, as we follow hotshot crews into the middle of blazing wildfires, to the front lines of Mexico's drug war. I'm excited to share the episode with you, The Antifa Paradox where Ariel and Vice News correspondent Alzo Slay take a serious look at the specter of Antifa, which has become an easy boogeyman to either accept or reject out of hand. Check it out and head over to the Vice News Reports feed to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I would make a joke when I first came to Vice. I would tell producers that I am not your war zone correspondent. If I got to wear a flak jacket and a helmet, that story is not for me. So, right now behind me, there are thousands of people marching in the streets of Portland, Oregon for Black Lives Matter, for defunding the police, anti-racism, anti-fascism. But unbeknownst to me, I would be reporting from a war zone-like atmosphere in my own country. They just keep throwing shit. Nobody is confronting them. No protesters confronting them right now. They're just marching. They're just marching down the street, shooting bullets and throwing flashbangs. Previously, that's what the same thing. Shit. God damn it. Minnesota right now in the middle of a protest over the death of George Floyd. Does anybody want to have somebody from Antifa as a member and as a resident of your suburb? I don't think so. Antifa is an idea, not an organization. Oh, you got it, not militia. This is Vice News Reports. I'm your host, Ariel Tumaros. And I'm Alzo Slade. So, Alzo. You said you didn't want to do stories where you'd have to wear a flak jacket and a helmet, but that's exactly what you've been doing for most of this year covering these protests. Yeah, in June, I went to Minneapolis. Here in Minneapolis, they set an 8 p.m. curfew. It's well after that, and these people aren't going anywhere for a long time. They don't give a damn about a curfew. It was a story like I've never covered before. After that, I went to Tulsa, as Trump had a, a rally there, and there were counter-protesters in the streets. So, yeah, I've been in these streets. And then I went to Portland. very strong history of protests, specifically within the world of anti-fascism. We're here in Portland, Oregon right now. In the wake of George Floyd's murder, protests erupted across the world. But in Portland, these folks are still protesting, and they have been for the past 50 plus days. President Trump would have you believe that these protests are led by anarchists. Anarchists that he calls Antifa. 
We were in Portland with cameras for a documentary TV series. To be frank with you, I really didn't understand what Antifa was until I was on this journey. Antifa is like a phantom of a being of an organization. It felt like I was reporting on people who subscribe to a certain ideology. Why has it been so hard for people to figure out what we are talking about when we talk about Antifa? Because Antifa is not tangible. It has no hierarchy. Antifa came to the attention of most folks after Charlottesville. You you had a group on one side that was bad, and you had a group on the other side that was also very violent. And it was at that moment where the Trump administration started to create this narrative of these guys as terrorists. And now with the election happening, Trump needs an enemy. That enemy right now is Antifa. So the more you sell anarchy, the more he hopes to shore up his base and say that, you know, if you elect me, I'm going to put all of this down. We're going to return to a place where you can feel safe walking downtown. Well, guys, it's official. Antifa is moving into where you live, where your family lives, where all your stuff is. They are. Stay safe and lock and loaded. That's the warning in this Facebook post that claimed Antifa had three busloads of members ready to hit neighborhoods in Maumel, Benton, and Bryan. Right. And look, the history of anti-fascism goes way further back than this year or even the last few years. Anti-fascism as a movement has been instrumental in social change around the globe. But calling it anarchy or calling it Antifa erases a lot of that history and I think a fair bit of nuance even for people who do say that they are against fascism. Take even the history of politics in Portland. Anti-fascism in America is rooted in that city because in the Pacific Northwest, there were a lot of neo-Nazis and racist skinheads that early anti-fascists were pushing back against. Anti-fascist movements there were in opposition to homegrown fascism. So, yeah, in Portland, we really wanted to get there and understand the nuances of this Antifa thing. I'm not going to let somebody hit me, bro. So when we went there, we met up with one of the main folks that he's kind of ambiguous with regard to calling himself Antifa. I consider myself a militant. Man, let me tell you about this fellow Luis. I believe in direct action. Wherever racist, nativist, neo-fascists are, I'm going to physically confront them. That doesn't mean start a fight. That means I'm going to physically confront them. That when they try to speak, I'm going to drown them out. He's charismatic. He's dedicated. He's committed to the cause of anti-fascism. You've been known to slap Nazis. It's not a crime. It's not a crime to physically assault another human being? When that person's philosophy is to harm people that look like you and me, to make us lower, Nah, man, we've had that my whole life in this country. No more, dude. That boot's coming the fuck off my neck. Luis is a father of two, and from where I sit, it feels like his full-time job outside of being a father is being dedicated to this anti-fascism work. My, my comrades are in houseless shelters. They're working with abuse victims, feeding people, clothing people, housing people. That's anti-fascist work right there. 
he was adamant about the fact that there is no specific organization within hierarchy. There's no Antifa database. There's no Antifa communication where, you know, they are planning to overthrow the federal government. Some people really don't know who the hell you guys are and, and what it is that you do, or even if you actually really exist and what you exist as if you do exist. Okay, so you're using this word you, right? So anti-fascism is a philosophy. So then if you subscribe to the philosophy, then you are Antifa. Yes. So then you would be Antifa. Sure, okay, but I belong to no group, right? So makes sense. But no. But you no. see how confusing this shit can be, right? Well, like yeah, this yeah. is the, <laughs> yeah. this I, is I feel you, I feel you. It's like being a Christian, but just like not belonging to a church. So But you but but then you are a Christian still. Alright, yeah. So okay. you so for the for the sake of this interview, you're Antifa. There we go. <laughs> Alright, there we go. Boom. Some of the recent protests against police violence and racism have been met with a federal response. And in Portland, Oregon, local officials believe that presence is causing more harm than good. More federal law enforcement that I can tell you in Portland, they've done a fantastic job. These are anarchists. These are not protesters. People say protesters. So in July, according to many of the people we spoke to in Portland, before the federal troops arrived, the protest had died down significantly to like 50 to 100 people in the streets. We were wrapping up. We were ready to go home. We're not the ones that sent feds here, snatching people off the street, citizens. But then... Videos posted to social media show federal officers pulling a protester into an unmarked van and driving off. That's what made people come back out. I'll paint the picture. So there are hundreds of people out in front of this federal building in a square in Portland, like a two-square block, where it has a strong history of protest. They can't hear you in here. Make some noise. You had federal troops. I would put them together with local police. So you had law enforcement there. And you had far-right groups there. And you had anti-fascists. And when I say anti-fascist, I'm including, you know, BLM protesters. This is not anarchy. This is a peaceful protest. As a matter of fact, it's contained in about a two-block radius. You go two blocks from here, and it seems like nothing is happening in the city. But what we are seeing is moms coming out here to protect the protesters. We're seeing dads out here with leaf blowers in case the federal troops that the state has sent down here to suppress the protest start firing tear gas at these folks. Right now, people are standing around, they're chanting, there's a station with food and supplies, people are walking around with sanitizer and, and masks, and for the most part, it's peaceful. We'll see how long that lasts because I heard that at some point, the federal troops will come out and try to disperse this crowd. What is the role of anti-fascists in all of this? To help keep people safe. If you see someone on the ground, they can't breathe, get that person out. 
ambulances, they're not gonna do it. You see any ambulances that they've sent in? Hear any fire trucks to, to help us? We helping each other. We keep us safe. So what's next? Louise tells me to put my gas mask on right away. The federal agents and troops are about to pull up. And at this point, Luis has been there for several nights protesting, so I believe him if he says the feds are coming. We heard the police announced to disperse. Everything okay. generally comes right after that. Right. Right? So. He took us directly to the front. When I say to the front, I'm like, bro, there are federal troops over there. You're here to control fascists. He said, yeah, we're going to the front. Can't confront him in the back because you can't fight fascism from the back. And before you know it, we were right there at the fence, looking like straight ahead at these dudes who look like stormtroopers. And the federal troops give an order to disperse. And you can't really see them. Because there's a, a haze, there's a fog of, of smoke and, you know, tear gases in the air. Protesters start pushing on this fence, you know, slapping the fence with umbrellas. And every once in a while, there'll be a water bottle that was thrown over the barricade. And I say, where are the federal troops? Where are the federal troops? And I swear, Ariel, as soon as I say that, pow, 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 ta-da. We get lit up. I got shot with a rubber bullet. And Luis is saying to me, you just got shot by federal troops. And I'm like, no shit. <laughs> You just got shot by federal troops using weapons of fucking war. That's what just happened. You see what they're doing? They're firing in the fucking crowd. They're firing in the crowd right now. You see what they're doing to us? There's a goddamn war here. There they are right there. They're gonna fucking push. <coughs> I swear, just 30 minutes ago, it was completely peaceful protest, not even 30 minutes ago, like 15 minutes ago was a completely peaceful protest and then it turned into complete madness, like a war zone where the federal troops were firing rubber pellets. I got shot in the leg and it, it hurt like hell. Tear gas, Luis got here with a tear gas canister and to tell you the truth, I don't know how the hell it escalated so quickly because the protesters weren't doing anything. People on the side of the, the street coughing and, and drooling. But right now, people are trying to regroup and we're gonna see what happens next. We see people taking off their gas mask and getting sprayed with like milk of magnesia or, or water to clear their eyes of, of the tear gas or the pepper spray. So when all that happened, these people left and then now they're going back. And then they would go back to the front. And they would do that over and over and over again 
for at least four to five hours. So, so is this is this just gonna happen throughout the night? Fuck yeah, it is. Until when? Till they go the fuck home. Till black lives and brown lives matter. Till this shit is over. Look around. We'll be right back. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And we're back. Also... I've covered protests, and I know what it's like when you're out there with a camera crew and you're pointing your cameras in a specific direction. Sometimes it can make it seem like that protest is bigger than it actually is or more intense than it actually is. No, no, no. The intensity in Portland was real. It was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Looking at the building where the federal troops were, they had sniper portals, Ariel. Sniper portals where they would open them up and federal troops would put their rifles out and fire from that position indiscriminately into the crowd. And on the other side, they throwing water bottles over the fence. You know, they setting off some fireworks. So, yeah, there was a, it was a mismatch for sure. So you want to see something? I don't know what you got for me to see. I got something. So I meet up with Luis the next day because he wants to show me something. This dude's full of surprises. He pulls out a duffel bag that's just clinking and clanking. And then he he turns it upside down and empties the content on the ground. Bro, what the? This is what they've been using to shoot us. Souvenirs? Yeah. I got one final piece of resistance for you. So these are CS canisters. These are the canisters that shoot us. This is a chain ball CS. You can feel the pellets in that, right? That's this stuff. Wait, oh, that's what, this is what I got shot with last night. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a... This is one with the empty. The fuck? This dude got a museum of the protest. Bro, man, what? That's a live grenade. Man, put that shit back in the car, man. I'm cool with these because they've been used already, but you, I'm not even going to touch that, but That's man. what these are right there, right? You see? And then they pull the pin, throw them, and then it breaks apart, shooting more smoke out of those five holes. That's what they're deploying on United States citizens that are out there saying Black Lives Matter. What I witnessed last night was crazy. Insane. Yeah. Now, it started off as a peaceful protest led by black folks. Mm-hmm. Leading chance of Black Lives Matter. Then it turned into mofos trying to break down the barricade at the federal building, right? 
So some people, like even the 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 president of the Portland chapter of the NAACP says, what you guys are doing is turned into a spectacle and it's lost focus. It's not about Black Lives Matter anymore. Okay. So tapping on a fence with umbrellas, making a clicking noise is an appropriate response of what Louise, happens? but let's, let's get real though, bro. Okay, let's, let's, get let's, real. let's be real. There were people like, like pushing the fence, trying to push it down. I think that all tactics are worthy. I think voting and being in the streets are both necessary, right? And is there fear? Absolutely there's fear. But if you don't push against the system, it's gonna maintain. It's almost like you guys are feeding each other because you don't want the troops here, so you go fight them. When you go fight them, Trump says, this is the reason why the troops are there, because you guys are fighting them. And in that tit for tat, this cat and mouse game between you guys and the federal troops, folks over there, Black Lives Matter are like, yo, we still here, homie. What you guys doing ain't about us. I hear that. I too am a person of color, right? I don't tell you how to fight. Don't tell me how to fight. Right? We're all working towards the same goal. Mm -hmm. Right? Different rivers all go to the same ocean. They're all necessary, all tactics. So you talk to other people who share similar views as Luis, right, in different cities. Do they use the same tactics as the folks in Portland? I also went to Atlanta this summer. Because um, I don't believe that people should have to uh, struggle and piecemeal get the, the basic things that they need to live. Where I met up with some um, folks doing anti-fascism work there. If that makes me too radical, then I'll be that, I guess. One of them was a woman named Monica. Um, I am spokesperson, I guess, um, for Flower United, which is uh, stands for Frontline Organization to End Racism. Yeah. Their strategy is a bit different than Luis's. Like, you're not going to find Monica, you know, with a shield and a gas mask on the front line. Like, I have asthma. I'm not trying to be, like, running around and all this stuff. So unless I, like, really have to. So um, I am not, like, the black bandana, like, running from tear gas all the time type of person. You know, I think... Um, the more adventurous you are and the more often you're spending in the streets getting in sometimes unnecessary conflicts, the less likely you are to bring about any long-lasting change. So those aren't so tell me about Monica. What's her deal? Yeah, I wish I could tell you about Monica, but just like a lot of people doing anti-fascism work, Monica doesn't want you to know much about her because this work is dangerous and people, you know, target them for the work that they do. Would you call yourself Antifa? No, because I don't think it's really real. I don't think there's many people that would call themselves Antifa unless they're being a little ironic. Of course, I'm anti-fascist, but I'm not. Uh, the, this fake idea that Trump and his ilk have put forward um, as Antifa. Because it's, it's like, oh, you're Antifa, you're doing anti-fascist. Like, everyone, everyone should be anti-fascist, of course, I, I would think. I don't want it to be something that is uh, only some people do this should be. Most people. Most of the people who we spoke to were very reluctant to speak on behalf of anyone else because 
they recognize that there is no central voice for this movement. So all of these people would consider themselves to be doing anti-fascist work, but not Antifa. One of the motivations for this whole boogeyman Antifa narrative is trying to paint anti-fascism is one thing. We'd like to address a rumor that's making the rounds on social media that Antifa has been deliberately starting wildfires. Fox and that's violent protests. President Trump today saying the United States will designate the group Antifa as a terrorist organization. Joining us Instead of looking at it like these people are fighting fascism, they're fighting like this dictatorial power that they're seeing play out. And so it's used as a distraction from the root of the word. Like, what does it mean to be anti-Antifa? Tell that to the people of Portland who've seen Antifa for 53 days, rioting, looting, stealing, destroying property, and attacking police officers. Representative Jim Jordan of Ohio is a ranking member of the Judiciary Committee, and we met up with him to try and understand how this version of the Antifa narrative is being created because he is one of the main folks out front who has publicly testified that Antifa is, you know, a terrorist organization and their tactics are violent and unacceptable. Um, they should be literally put down, if you will. How would you identify someone as Antifa? Well, again, typically what you see is dressed in black, black mask. It is a little tough, but one thing I do know, they're real, they're not a myth. They're certainly real. How do you know it's Antifa? Because that's what all you folks in the press are reporting, of course. So I don't, I don't believe anything you guys are talking about in the press. Look at what's and happening, law enforcement being blinded. Look at what happened to law enforcement in Chicago. Uh, frozen bottles of water, hitting them in the eyes, blinded by the laser. Some are never gonna get their eyesight back, that's, so that's, that's okay. And that's Antifa. I don't know, but it might be, but, but, I don't know. But, but you don't know, but you're, why do you say it's Antifa if you don't know? Well, you don't know that it isn't. Would you say that you are against fascism? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm for freedom. I'm, I mean, I love this great country. Uh, I'm for the First Amendment. I'm for equal treatment. You got, you got some basic liberties in the First Amendment. Your right to practice your faith. Your right to peaceably assemble, peaceably. Your right to petition your government. Freedom of the press, what, what you do. Uh, freedom of speech. But right now, the cancel culture mob is trying to limit your ability to speak. Also, listening to your conversation with Representative Jordan, it's hard not to feel like the two of you are talking about fundamentally different things. Yeah, I mean, you would think, right? Because I'm trying to talk to him about Luis's and Monica's vision of anti-fascism, you know, a more equal country. How about no more racism? How about no more homophobia? How about no more voter suppression, segregation? What should citizens do? when they vehemently disagree with the law. Shouldn't be violence. What should they do? Participate in the system, the greatest system ever. What happens when that system doesn't work for black, brown, and gay people or trans people? I just disagree with that premise. Black men continue to get killed by police officers. Transgender folks continue to get killed disproportionately, right? And writing letters, calling your congressman. That's the way it's supposed to work. But if, if people, when, when, when people that protest, if they kneel, they're, they're, they're told that that's wrong. If they protest in the streets peacefully, 
they're told that they're wrong and they may get snatched up by the police. No. No, 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 no. And then, and then, and then, so some people resort to the notion that. We've been, my, my wife and I, our family, we've engaged in peaceful protests. We've been to pro-life uh, rallies, pro-life marches. No one ever got violent there. We've been, we've been involved. So th that, that's how it's supposed to work. That, but supposed to is the, is the key phrase there. So you do all of this reporting, and then in September, the focus on Antifa shifts pretty dramatically. And the man that shot another innocent man, this was an innocent man shot, killed, instantly killed. Yeah, said, a man who called himself 100% Antifa online shot and killed a conservative demonstrator in Portland. And the Antifa supporter was then killed by federal officers. We sent in the U.S. Marshals. Took 15 minutes, it was over. 15 minutes it was over. We got him. And you don't want to excuse the shooting at all, but it's pretty much an outlier because in the past 25 years, there's only been one killing associated with anti-fascists, but over 300 killings by right-wing extremists. Six men connected with a right-wing group are charged with trying to carry out an elaborate plan to kidnap the Democratic governor of Michigan. And all around Seven the country, that violence is escalating. But you really don't hear the Trump administration talking about that, you know, except for like a wink and a nod. We need every able-bodied man, woman to join Army for Trump's election security operation. We need you to help us watch them. President Trump is going to win. Don't let them steal it. Also, the election is next week. The protests in Portland have mellowed out pretty significantly. Where's the national conversation around Antifa now? No matter what happens on election night, if the race is too close to call... Or if Trump wins. Or even if there's a landslide victory for Biden, then I would imagine that there's going to be some uproar in the streets. Fascism is fascism. Wherever you find it. Something Louise said to me about the growing number of people who see themselves as a part of this anti-fascist movement. We have to look at the conditions that make us swell. Children in camps, people being murdered by the police, a lack of education, a lack of food, a lack of opportunity, a lack of employment. Whatever happens election night, people are going to start asking themselves, how will we know if we become a fascist state? Are we already there? And what are they willing to do about it? Special thanks to Alzo Slade, who reported this piece, and check out Vice TV's documentary on Antifa. Vice News Reports is produced by Jesse Alejandro Cottrell, Jen Kinney, Janice Yamoka, and Julia Nutter. Our senior producers are Ashley Kleek and Adiza Egan. Our associate producers are Sam Egan and Sophie Kazis. Sound design and music composition by Steve Bone and Kyle Murdoch. Our executive producer and VP of Vice Audio is Kate Osborne. Janet Lee is senior production manager for Vice Audio. Production coordination by Steph Brown. 
From iHeart executive producer Mangesh Hatikador and senior producer Nikki Etor. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Legal review by Yoni Berkovitz. Our theme music is by Steve Bone. Production coordination assistance from Teresai Gombe. Security by Rami Galli and Sherbil Namor. I'm Ariel Zemras. I know podcast hosts say this all the time, but seriously, please rate and review this podcast. It really helps other people find the show. If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that by emailing the VNR team at vicenewsreports at vice.com. Vice News Reports drops every Thursday, everywhere you get your podcasts. So be sure to check back in next week. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.